Jackie Miller, your host of Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. I am so very grateful to the guest on this episode for sharing her story with us. Sarah joins me to talk candidly about her marriage, divorce, and custody battle with her ex-husband and how she is doing today. Listen in as we talk about love, joy, heartache, and the fears and struggles of raising a child with someone who is determined to keep their victim in the crosshairs of post-separation abuse. Hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for being on Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. I'm super grateful, just so the audience knows, we have a guest on that is willing to share her story with us. And so I just want to, again, give you so much gratitude for coming on and sharing because so many people out there really benefit from hearing other stories and just sort of the validation of what they're going through, knowing that there's, you know, a group of us out there that get what's happening and there could be a light at the end of the tunnel sometimes. So Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So, okay. I thought I would go ahead and dive in, Sarah, if you don't mind, to the beginning of your relationship, because I don't know your whole story. Uh, you know, we sort of randomly crossed paths and whatnot. And I know I got a little bit of it and and you were so gracious. So I said, oh my God, will you please come on and, and tell people a little bit about your journey? I like to kind of go back to the very beginning when you guys met and see how these relationships transpired. Because I think for a lot of us that for many reasons, one, it's the validation of understanding what you went through. Two, we try to learn from it. And then I have a lot of folks, clients, et cetera, that are trying to move forward in life, maybe in date or look for other relationships and they're, they're worried they want to learn about what happened. So could, do you mind starting kind of at the beginning? Sure. Yeah. So it is very similar. I've listened to your other podcasts and it's funny because I really hadn't pieced together the puzzle in my own relationship and in seeing and listening to, to your stories, I've realized that the patterns all pretty much fit and he very much falls in line with the, this narcissist title. But yeah. early on, you know, I was probably mid twenties living in New York city at the time we met through friends and it just boom, took off. Uh, he put me on a pedestal is really what he did. And as a kind of mid twenties girl who was maybe a little bit you know, I had my career, I, I knew what I was doing, but I still think of myself maybe as just being young, naive, a little bit of a lost girl. And he, um, he really was like a security blanket, like took me in. He was like super warm, cozy. What can I do for you? You're amazing. You're such an accomplished person, like really made me feel like nobody had ever made me feel before. And I would say that he sort of designed, I felt like he designed a relationship to make me feel like we were working towards something together. Like, yeah. Hey, this is unique. Um, I'd say from his career standpoint, he was um, ambitious, but he hadn't realized any major success yet. Okay. And he made me feel like we were going to take this journey together and we were going to do something really unique and special. So That's... that was the early days. And okay. I, felt I was in, I'm like, yes, Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because what you just described, which is what most of us go through, is the idealization 
phase and pedestals. Exactly what happens. You are perfect. You're amazing. They've never met anyone like you. And you're just like, whoa, this is finally somebody who appreciates me. This is fantastic. Um, And it's, it's exactly, it's part of the face of the narcissistic abuse cycle. So I'm, I'm not surprised, but I'm, I am very interested to hear your story. So then when did you, I guess, start to see red flags or when did things start to turn? So um, kind of fast forward, we get married, I get pregnant, and then I have our, our daughter. And that's when, that's when there was this very slow and sort of insidious fall from grace. And it was quiet and, and not immediately noticeable maybe, but basically I kind of describe it like he had an ax pick and he would just sort of slowly chip away at me so that the pedestal like started to slip. And I would say simultaneously, he was in his career realizing success for the first time. Interesting. Okay. And I called him like, this was his meal returner phase, which was like, we would go out to, you know, I'd get a babysitter and I'd be so excited about going out and he would order like the most expensive thing on the menu, which like was really uncomfortable for me because we had not lived like that prior to the sort of newfound success he has. Okay. And he returns the food, right? Oh, pretty much uh, always. If a nice steak, let's say, comes, it's not good. It's not cooked correctly. He throws like kind of a big, it's a tantrum almost in the restaurant. I'm super embarrassed. Or I always say like, he, it, it was his mean to customer service phase. Like if you got oh. and you didn't give him the right hotel room or whatever, it was like, oh my, so scary. Like, to oh hear my God, talking. Sarah, I wish I didn't know what you were talking about. Oh, I'm feeling the gut wrenching feeling right now. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Yes. The, 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 the mean to mean. customer service people. Yeah. is so a thing. Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think that, you know, at some point that might turn to me, but of course, at this point, I'm still thinking we're in this together and, you know, I am not seeing that I'm while he's going up, I'm sort of slowly slipping down. So he tells me, for example, I really don't find you sexy anymore. And like, (laughs) that was just devastating to me. And he starts to withhold sleeping with me. He won't, he won't sleep with me, which like, you know, that sort of chips away at like my femininity, what makes me a woman, right? Like my power as, as a female, he's now sort of taken from me. 100%. Yes. He says stuff like, you know, at this point I'm, I'm full-time with our daughter, you know, I'm a sort of new mom phase and tired and unsure of myself. And he's sort of like, you know, I, I really think you should hire help. You know, I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you can do this on your own, you know? So sort of, again, sort of chipping away at that point, like my fundamental ability to, to function, right? <laughs> Yeah. You're a woman, you're a mom, you're excited. You have this baby. You're supposed to be, have this new beautiful family. And yeah, he's now you're chipping away. Like you said, at your feminism, not sleeping yeah. with you and insulting your basic core love and need to be the most wonderful mother in the world. And basically yeah. telling you you're not capable. Totally. Kind of a big red flag was, I remember uh, our daughter was taking a nap this middle of the day he was working, he was working around the clock. Like this was, you know, his passion was now in his career. Okay. I remember he calls me up in the middle of the day and he says, I'd like you to open a, um, a trading account in your name, but I'm going to be operating it. So he, he was legally not allowed to day trade, but 
he wanted me to open an account in my name so that he could day trade in my account. And, and I remember like thinking like, that's way illegal. <laughs> like if that ever were to be somehow investigated, my name is the one that's written at the bottom of the piece of paper and I'm going to jail. Yeah. And so I, I immediately sort of push back and say, gosh, you know, I really don't feel comfortable with that. And there was like this anger of like, how could you not do this? Like one, because we can make so much money, but also like, why do you not trust me? And, and I remember thinking like, oh my God, this is the father of my child. And I'm having like this moral impasse, which the reason this was such a big deal is because later on he ends up using moral bankruptcy. That was like his term that he ends up applying to me and saying that I'm the most morally bankrupt person on the planet. And we'll get to that. But I remember that it was like this moment where I didn't understand that whole concept around narcissism, where you project your own things, right? Like they're like admissions of their own guilt is, or is what they project. Yeah. So, so this was an example of, you know, his own willingness to completely throw away moral sort of code and potentially put me in a lot of trouble, but will be the thing that he ends up kind of trying to use against me later. And, you know, that to me, it's interesting because as I'm hearing this story, because you're now clearly have gone into the devaluation stage, right? So now he's devaluing you, he's putting you down, he's insulting your, you know, motherhood. And now he's put you in this position where you're legally screwed. Yeah. If this gets found out and you're trapped and because isolation also happens in this phase. And to me, that's almost a form of isolation. Like you're screwed. If you try to leave me, if you, I've got major leverage over you. Totally. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned the isolation thing. That was definitely, I felt very alone during this whole, this whole thing. And, and eventually he goes on um, to cheat on me. And that was a a horrible, horrible story. Please share. Gosh, it was, you know, at this point we're not sleeping together. Things are clearly not working out. And I think we both sort of know that things are falling apart. But I remember walking down the hallway and we lived in this like little tiny little place. And I remember catching out of the periphery of my view, uh, he was putting on a suit jacket and sort of like checking himself out, which was like, unlike him, he he would oh. never really care what he was wearing. Like he always was, you know, he, it didn't bother him too much what he was wearing, but he, he was clearly like concerned about how he looked. And he was going on a business trip to New York. And I actually... I I called my mom and I said, Hey, I'm going to go surprise him in New York because we had moved away from New York at this point. And I'm going to go and surprise him. And can you watch, you know, our daughter? And I I remember I booked a ticket and I knew where he was staying. He told me he was going for a conference and we were going to stay at the Ritz Carlton Battery Park. So I just had a feeling from the very beginning that something was off. I don't sleep the whole night. I'm on an early morning flight. Um, to New York. I don't sleep. And at like three in the morning, I just get up and I call the hotel. I call the the Ritz Carlton Battery Park. And I said, you know, hey, is so-and-so there? They're saying, no, he, he's not staying here. I said, oh my God. Okay. Well, is this in this conference going on? Because I was told that that's what was going on. Remember, I'm like going to be boarding a flight in a couple of hours and I'm planning on heading to that hotel. Yeah. And I'm surprising him like that. He has no idea I'm coming, but I I'm coming. So they say no. So that I know where he really likes to stay. So I end up 
It's like such a hard story to tell, but I, so I ended up calling that hotel and sure enough, they connect me to his room and a girl answers the phone, you know, mm. and, and it's sort of early morning, like, hello. And I just hung up. It was like, I'm and so then, sorry. just, you know, in my stomach, that the adrenaline, the, the feeling that's going through you know, like, wow, okay, this is really happening. Get in an Uber, go to the, to the airport. And I realized like, there's no way I can board that the flight. Like there's no way I can sit for five hours and confront him. And, and yeah. I just can't do it. So n- n- that was the straw that pretty much broke the camel's back at that point. And, and he moves out okay. and I think he genuinely thought that maybe it would be this sort of temporary, we'd move out and fix everything and then he'd come back. I actually do think he thought that, but I'm starting to, once that bandaid like is severed and he leaves, that's yeah. when it starts to become like real for me. And as scary as it was, like, I think I was telling you when you and I first talked, like, I think when, when you're at such a low, low point that as much as you think in that moment of like, oh, he cheated on me, screw him. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. You know, it's actually deeply shameful. Like I didn't want to tell anyone. I was so scared. I was so alone. It's embarrassing. It is. It's like, it's your family, right? It's like, I wanted to protect my daughter and yeah, you know, it's like, you're, you're deeply protective of this little thing that you are holding on to that doesn't really even exist, but you know, just, right. I couldn't, I couldn't bear to tell anyone. In fact, I didn't tell anyone for probably a couple years after wow. because it was so hard for me to, to go through, but wow. And yeah. so then he moves out and do you guys yeah. do you file for divorce? Um, so he did, he, he was wow. really in, in charge from, from day one. And I think that was another thing I shared with you is I always starting from that point. Well, actually, I guess you could say it was from the point that he started chipping away at me, he was really in charge at, and okay. and he took control over everything. And I never felt like I was on equal footing. I always felt behind 10 steps behind whatever he had planned. And we tried mediation. Uh-huh. it was the first thing like, okay, let's, you know, it's copacetic. Let's, it will be, we're, we're going to be, you know, we're going to do our part to, to do our best for our daughter and both. Right. very noble on our part. And I always, I feel so bad when people tell me like, oh my gosh, we're going to do mediation. Cause I'm like, trust, uh. <laughs> trust me. I know. Or I, I often get the call. That's exactly what you said. So I started out and like, I it was going to be- out mediation no I did. involved he did the and, same thing it's gonna be okay he's gonna be fair and it'll all right. we'll yep. talk it through and I didn't even say anything in there and you know they're kind of basically going through high level stuff like oh you were made partner during you know the marriage well okay so then you know Sarah's entitled to half and he like beads up with sweat and you can see just this immediate transformation on him. Oh, okay. That makes sense. He loses it. He starts screaming, yelling expletives, leaves and walks out of the room. And they're like, they basically look at me like, uh, good luck. So yeah, he's not a mediation guy, not a mediation guy. No. So, you know, I always say like the gloves come off when, when the financials and the preservation of that, those financials come in because his wealth became the only thing he cared about. Yep. And, you know, I am a total mess at this point. And the only thing I care about is our daughter. So, you know, I, I basically, again, this sounds so 
because I was such a fraction of who I really was at that point, there was a lot of things that I did that I look back on and say, oh, you know, gosh, who was that person? But I essentially basically signed away everything um, in hopes that he would let me have our daughter. And, and truthfully, he did at that point, he was like, yep, you know, you great, just sign here. You have our daughter, I'll walk away. I got literally nothing. I mean, it was wow. Child support was the extent of, yeah, which, um, you know, again, looking back, he, I should tell you that pretty much after our divorce wrapped up, he retired. He lives this sort of extravagant, crazy lifestyle. And there was always a piece of me that was like, oh my gosh, I should have done this. I could have done, but I also uh, didn't want any of that anyway. Like it was just, I right. wanted to just get away. I needed well, to and, and Sarah, this is, I'm so glad that you're pointing this out. This is a huge dilemma that almost everyone in that's now in the post-separation abuse phase, right? So I love the, how you described him beating up with sweat once they said she gets half. Once you separate and then especially throw in money and sometimes they get super hyper-focused on the kids right away. It's just, you know, they all have their idiosyncrasies for how they develop the, the separation abuse, but it is like, this is all mine. None of it's yours. He told you basically basically how this battle was going to go if you were going to fight him for money. I mean, whether he said it verbally or non-verbally, I'm guessing you knew it could drag on for years. It would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, so it's a constant dilemma that, that people, you know, weigh going through this. It's like, do I keep fighting, 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 knowing that he will scorch the earth and spend $500,000 so that I don't get $10,000. And he might've gone that route. 100%. And he, he scared me, you know, the, the emails, the, the phone calls, it, I was genuinely scared. Um, I actually was scared for my life at one point that, cause he, he had a, um, hired a PI and, and had me followed, um, yep. uh, was really scary. I remember driving out to Palm Springs to go stay with a friend and we, I had my daughter in the back seat, and I noticed somebody following me. And it, I mean, my heart is racing, you know, pumping out of my chest is so scary. So I was scared. I was actually scared all uh-huh. the time. So I was happy to just sort of stay, you know, hidden and just let me have my daughter and I'll, and I, I'll, I'll take whatever you give me. And that was sort of good enough for me. I, I didn't care. Um, yeah. I, I will say that uh, I had some little stroke of something still left in me because I, I took up um, a friendship with a male friend who I had known for years and years. And uh, he was somebody that I could just call and talk to. And because I, I had friends, but I felt like they were all new moms. You know, they were like focused on when they're going to have their next baby or, and I was in such a different world and such a different place that I really didn't, I couldn't talk to anyone about it's it. So all. lonely. Yep. So lonely, but he, he kind of helped, he just helped me feel a little bit normal. And I think I needed that so badly and 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 his companionship sort of just helped me to to propel into the next phase of my life and I actually met my now husband and and I remember writing down in a journal and I know that the power of like written word is something that it's real I I wanted so badly for my daughter to see her mom at some point in a loving relationship and see how women should be treated and how 
what love is. I wanted that so badly for her. And I wrote it down and I just said, you know, I'm going to find this for you. And that was my, my goal. And, and weirdly I found it pretty quickly after. That's amazing. Yeah. And that was very awesome to just feel, first of all, like a woman again, right. That part had been taken from me. So just to feel like a woman and to have somebody who in a different way, didn't put me on a pedestal, right? It wasn't like that. It was just somebody who just loved me for me. And yes, and, and that was, I should say that if the gloves come off when the financials are in play, I'd say you really go below the belt when someone new enters the picture. And, and that's when a whole level of crazy town took off. And that, that really, yes, yes. So Okay. So interesting. And when I want to go back really quick and point out something too, because like with the PI following you going back to the post-separation abuse, it's so interesting because even if they weren't sort of stalker ish in the relationship, that is such a common thing that they, that one of the, one of the spokes on the wheel of post-separation abuse is stalking a behavior. And it's, it's the PI I've had, you know, GPS system, you know, trackers put in cars, of clients I've had, um, blatant standing outside of a, a playground, staring death stairs while you're playing with your child. I mean, I have stories that go on and on and on. It's, it's a very scary thing. And I have also heard more than once I was afraid for my life and not that he was going to come barreling in the door and stab me or shoot me, which unfortunately happens. And that's, that's a whole nother show. However, he'll hire someone. He'll, mm-hmm. I mean, you're truly in bed at night, doors locked, checking windows three, four times. Like, mm-hmm. I actually think this man is capable of this. And mm-hmm. I have heard it so many times, Sarah. And so yeah. I, I, it gives me the chills hearing you say that. And so let's go ahead to the now, now there's the relationship and it yeah. escalates. It, it escalates for sure. That that's so that's when, you know, if all was sort of copacetic by me sort of signing away the financial aspect, then it became the new focus, which was now our daughter. And that I believe coincided with me finding somebody that I I was happy and content with. I think that was, that drove him absolutely crazy. And so then it was, remember that the moral bankruptcy story comes now into play and that he just tells me that my bringing someone into our daughter's life made me a morally bankrupt person. Wow. And uh, he would. As he's, as he's having affairs in hotel rooms and totally. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But the way that he made me feel, it it was like he could just on a flip of a dime, I could feel like a tiny little shriveled up person. And so that those things that he would say to me, oh, you're morally, but how could you do that? You know, it made me feel like I was doing something wrong all the time. All the time, I question every single thing that I did. It's mind blowing because here you are, like, like clearly we all know in here you're him cheating plus all the other abuse. Uh, uh, the the marriage is over. He filed totally. And post all of this, mm-hmm. you find love, and they are so good at manipulating words in the situation, and they know us so well. Yeah, and they know exactly which button to push. That's exactly right. And and he did every chance he could get and still does to this day. <laughs> he ends up, let's see. So, you know, it's it's been many years. He ends up getting um, remarried as well, too. I always joke like the poor man, Sarah, because her name was Tara. <laughs> and <laughs> He likes rhyming words. <laughs> 
And she was my doppelganger, which was so weird. Like we looked identical. Every time I saw her, uh, she would be wearing what I had been wearing the day before. And I thought I was crazy. And I'm like, what is going on? This is so bizarre. Wow. I'm like, I have the chills. I'm freaked out and I'm trying not to laugh at the same time. I don't know what emotion I'm having, but because again, I have seen this sort of behavior before. And the interesting thing is I, Jackie Miller diagnosis. I haven't read this anywhere. It's coming from him. Totally. So this, her, her, oh gosh, I don't even know where to start. I have just, let me just say, I've seen this before so many times and her dressing like you is actually abused by proxy. He is mm-hmm. using, weaponizing her and, and probably suggesting outfits, buying things for her. And she could be clueless. She could, she could be joining in, like trying to help. Cause I'm sure he's told her horrible, the horrible person you are. And so she's on the bandwagon trying to save this poor man from this horrible relationship he had with you. So, um, but it's what I found is it's abused by proxy and they're weaponizing the new girlfriend and it's just to get at you. <sighs> and, and it, it works, which is, the worst part, because then I start, you know, not only am I feeling like insecure because there's this lady now spending time with my daughter, but also I know that they have nothing but ill will towards me, the mom. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I say that the gloves come off when, when the financials are at play, you it's below the belt when there's, when you find someone new, but it's jugular when there's the girlfriend, right. Or the wife, the new wife, because yep. then it's like, ugh, all bets are off. He's pitting her against me. Like you said, which absolutely I believe happened. And there is just now like mind games. And unfortunately it's all played around my daughter. So when she, this girl Terrace comes into play now it's 50, 50, he demands 50, 50, which I had no idea when I signed away all this stuff that at any point, if, a dad wants 50%, the court has no choice but to grant it. Now, did I try and did I fight? And I had what I thought was plenty of ammunition to for him to not be awarded 50%. Let me give you some crazy examples. Okay. So they're both not working. They both are playing house essentially. Like the 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 Disneyland mom or stepmom dad thing is now like amplified to the nth degree. I will sign, you know, I'll sign her up for her sports activities, things that she tells me she wants to do. I'll sign her up. Um, they will not take her if it falls on their days, right? So let's take the swim team example. So she loves swim team, like. The coach adores her. She's like this sweet, smiley girl. She loves going. She gets like the MVP and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so good at swimming, right? She loves it. They won't take her on the days that they have her, but they will show up and sit at the end. They will park two chairs at the end of the lane that she is in. And they will sit there and watch her on my days of her swim team practice, which I'm like, are you like, is this the right zone? Bleep. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. If I do, um, the creepy level on these are like off the charts. <laughs> if I do girl scouts, if I, I'm, I'm, if she wants to do girl scouts, I'm going to help co-lead. Well, then she's going to be the cookie chair, right? So then every single, it's like a competitive thing where everything has to be tit for tat only if it's on their days, it's impossible. They will not do anything. She won't be attending anything. She doesn't go to her sports stuff. She doesn't have play dates. She doesn't uh, do her homework. I mean, literally nothing is happening over there except for maybe, you know, they're flying for the night to go 
French laundry up in Napa and, and having, you know, seven course meals and then flying home, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. that's normal. Oh it just like it breaks my heart though because you know Sarah. all I'm thinking about is my daughter and, and yeah. how do I give her this normal life and they they feel like they're doing everything in their power to make it as unnormal for her as possible but only because they hate me so much right and, and why and why? why and all of us ask ourselves and why and it's just you're weaponizing your child just to hurt her mother which is. 10, 10, a hundred, a thousand fold hurting your daughter. Mm -hmm. And why? Why? I don't you know. have all the money. You have right. the new wife. You have the life. You now have your daughter 50%. Why? Why? I, I, I don't know. But I do know that there is, you, you've said this in your podcast before, that it, it's a marathon. And, and that the patience that it ultimately required by me was to stay the course um, I, I get re I end up getting remarried to um, my now husband who is an incredible human being and and we have two more children together and just developed what I call just a normal life like we didn't live extravagantly we don't go on fancy vacations I, I remember a friend told me you know okay if he's gonna be this go fly by night you know at no holds a bar luxury 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 why don't you just be the stay-at-home person like why don't when she's with you guys, you cook every meal together, you sit down at a table together, you do the things that, you know, you had written down in that journal, which was just a family, just a, what you envision as family, just like give that to her. So, you know, now flash forward, she's at the age where she can be more vocal about stuff and, and they do, they get more vocal. The more you play kids, I think the more it backfires. And, and she finally got the strength when, um, sure enough, he goes through divorce number two with, ah, interesting. Okay. Yep. yep. She basically tells him, I don't want to be with you anymore. And at that point he gives up. He's so focused on his divorce his now divorce that he lets her basically live with, with me full time. And I'm with her all the time. And I get, I, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me because I never thought this, all I ever wanted really was to just give her a normal life. And I had to wait and endure so much like people that know genuinely what I went through are like, Oh my God, you've been through hell. You know, like yeah. I really have been through hell, but now I wear what I went through as like a, a badge of honor. Like it's my secret weapon. And I I'm very proud that I came out of it. Okay. And that, you know, I didn't get stuck in that horrible place right? Um, because I think you, it can break you. It can really break you or you can, or you can say, no, it's not going to, and, and find a different path. Yeah. And that is truly the only power we have. And that's where we're grasping for control since they're constantly trying to make us feel out of control. And you are absolutely right. And it's, it's, we're dealing with this family court system that makes no sense. And so where, where do we find control? And it's, it's in our own mind, in our own heart. I love that you pointed out and I love whoever the friend was that said, why don't you be the, just be the family that wins with children, hands down. They want safe. They love the togetherness. They love the sit down dinners. They love watching movies on the couch. They love, that is what they want. They just want you to hold them and be quiet or you to ask them about their day and extravagant trips and money and big fancy houses do not win. They don't, they really don't. 
And it has been so interesting to watch that play out and, and to see, I mean, they, they did a real number on her and, and it's been hard, but she is going to be okay. She's so resilient and, and she's so strong. And to see that uh, ultimately they sort of got what they deserved. And I hate to say that, but right. It, well, they it, reaped what they sowed. It yeah. just is what, yeah, it just is what it is. Yeah. It just is what it is. You're right. And, and, people always say like, you know, what advice would you give to anyone going through that? And and it's what you have echoed so many times is that it's just a waiting game. It's a long, you have to be just patient and, and you have to have grace and you have to know, I think somewhere in, in the back of your mind, you have to know that it's all going to be okay. Yeah. They can feel your love. They can feel your calmness. They can feel your sincerity. That counts for a lot. Yeah. And I do say that. I just say whatever like cocoon you can sort of make for them when you have them. Um, and that feeling, it, it just, just true connection emotional connection because they're not getting that. And their other parent is constantly weaponizing them and they feel that yuckiness. And I know it's so hard for parents sometimes because sometimes they make a little headway, right? Because children get so confused and they're like, you know, I'm just going to say in this scenario, you know, dad's saying X, Y, Z about you, you know, and, and maybe they'll even be a little angry at you for this lie or this, you know, and again, it's just that waiting game and it's just keep giving that unconditional love, not making them feel like they're responsible for your feelings, which yeah. is what the other side does all the time. Right. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. There's still to this day, you know, there's attempts to take little stabs here and there and they sting, they still sting, but mm, his power is mostly gone now. Yeah. And he's mostly like, I, I feel at times almost sorry for him. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's where he's at in, in his life. And um, the other thing I will say is I do think there is something incredibly powerful about having love in your life and having somebody that you love and who loves you just for who you are. Because I think when you go through the narcissistic relationship, you question everything about yourself and whether you're normal or you're okay, or whether you can even go on sometimes and, and having somebody that just is there who loves you is so powerful. And it, it does take away the power of the, the narcissist still in your life, I think, because they cannot stand to see you happy. Uh, no, it's like, it's, I hate to say revenge because I don't want us spending our time thinking about them. Right. And, and how to get back at it. However, however, <laughs> let's not, let's not lie to ourselves. <laughs> if, if there's a way to sort of put them in their place, it is by moving on, focusing on yourself, your child being as successful, whether that's successful, emotionally successful, you know, in, in your career, successful financially, whatever it is, just moving on and going Go. out and finding happiness is, is the best revenge. <laughs> it is. It's everything. It's everything. And, and I also wish that I had known about people like you. I don't even know if that existed. I don't either. Those years ago, ago. I, I don't either, because I feel like it was just coming to light, even as I was going through mine, which I, I'm like only half the distance of you, I think even less. 
And thank goodness there are more divorce coaches in high conflict specifically too out there getting educated and using their experiences to help people because we're slowly raising awareness. We're slowly getting official people out in the field (laughs) that are there to help. And so it's turned a corner. So I know I, I'm sorry, but you're right. The the area you went through this, there really wasn't. There was nothing. And and I was alone. And and just to, if I had had somebody to first of all, recognize the patterns that I didn't know. Like, I I really don't know that I would have even called him a narcissist until I started listening to your podcast, which is crazy, but he absolutely is. And, and to have somebody just like call out those things, just so you know that you're not crazy. Right. And that you're normal. This person is just not would have helped me so much. (laughs) Right. Right. It's because, and going back to the beginning, the interesting thing that in listening to you describe yourself, when you first met him and started the relationship, you were this successful, ambitious, you're gorgeous. You're like, you've got, you know, the world at your fingertips. Now, with that being said, we all had, and it's interesting, I've I've had a guest on named Tracy Malone, um, who's written a book and she's actually a colleague of mine. And she's the one who educated me on green flag. And so in our, we were young, right. And didn't have our boundaries in place. And we threw up some green flags, which is in other words saying, Hey, you know, guys like him, I'm a good target. (laughs) So we learn about those, but I do think it's so powerful to learn a little bit about yourself, what you went through, and you are so worthy of love. And you are that amazing person that they targeted they targeted you because you were amazing. You're you're smart, you're intelligent, you're beautiful, you're caring, you were going to make a great mom. And they knew that, which is why it's so ironic and so horrible that like, for instance, you know, he tried to um, take that away from you, but we are amazing people. And it's like, I, the big joke is that it's a compliment if one comes after you. <laughs> That's the like sad joke. Interesting. That is really interesting to think about it, but you know what? You're totally right. Like I actually think the things that he ended up hating me for are the things that he loved so much about me. Like he did know I was going to be a good mom. He, he didn't have a great childhood. And I remember like almost feeling sorry for him, for him and him saying like, Oh my God, like he had never had the fact that I could love him. He didn't, he was so grateful for back then, you know, I just, yeah. Well, you certainly have endured a journey and just also listening how he brought the, the new rhyming word life in Sarah and Tara. Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, the poor man, Sarah in, and in, again, it's something I often see and they recruit a new one to weaponize them against you. And it sounds like they just had this awful team, um, going and, and you're right. How scary back to the court system. There's so much to know outside of lawyers, but, and actually that is a legal thing. Unfortunately, no one told you, but here you signed away the money thinking, okay, fine. At least he'll give my daughter and I some space and then came back for 50, 50. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, California, many other States too. They're like, Oh, and I had all that stuff. And the judge is like, like, Whoa, the swim team story is like, that's pretty bad. You know? And I'm like, you know, I'll never forget that walking out of that courtroom and, and the new wife is sitting there and she had this smug, like smile on her face. And meanwhile, like my knees are buckling. Like I, I have broke, my heart has shattered into a pool, a puddle on the floor. And I'm 
almost throwing up because I'm so sickened at this. Like I, I went from 80% to 50% in a second. Right. Mm. And, and, you know, I was the person maybe like, it was extra hard for me, like walking by her bedroom door when there was no one in it, you know, just, you know, in the middle of the night, like that just, it destroyed me. It, it, yeah. it uh, I was not a whole person when I didn't, when she was gone. And it was because I knew that she was in such a, um, it was only despite me. Right. And I think, you know, here's the thing also that I love out, love about you pointing out that you're in a loving relationship and marriage. Now it's like, I don't hate men. I'm in a loving, wonderful relationship. There are amazing men out there. So if you're, if you are out there and you're listening and you're thinking you do want to have another relationship someday, they are definitely out there. I am not pro-divorce. I mean, it sucks. So I'm not pro-divorce. Men are awesome. They're fantastic men out there. But if this podcast makes it to any decision maker anywhere, please just look for red flags. We would love for a great, healthy, loving dad to be in our child's life. Love it. It would be, I do not want to send my daughters out into the world with daddy issues. Exactly. That is the last thing I want. Okay. (laughs) But he took your daughter, not because he wanted to spend time with her. He didn't. I'm sorry. He did not. He did it to get back at you. And now he had this new wife on his arm and they presented he, and he used her to present well to the court. And it was just another way to get at you. And I mean, how is not taking her to swim lessons that she loves so much in her best interest? There was, there was nothing about what he did that was okay. And, you know, I, I kept on my, my phone, a voicemail from, from Tara who called me in the last six months and left me a message apologizing for everything (gasps) on over or over voicemail. Like, I am so sorry for everything that I did to you. I I was awful. She basically just laid it out. Wow. Do they have kids together? They had one child together. And now, um, you know, she called me right when this was all happening. And I took the call. I took the call. Now, granted, she was dead to me the day I walked past her with her smug smile in that courtroom. Yep. Um, I was willing to take the call and she asked me, uh, so I just need to know, am I going to need to go to to war on this? Is this war? And I said, yes, it is. You better go hire the best lawyer you can find and, and you better get ready to fight. And I will tell you, she is going for it. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh, this is like, I mean, I have to say, (laughs) oh, look what you did to Sarah. And then you got Tara and now you're Tara rise. (laughs) He created a monster. I'm sorry to say, but she will take him down. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And she watched what he was capable of. Totally. Like, yeah. And she knows and now he knows she knows his moves. Oh, this is like, this is so we got to write a book. You can't, make okay. it up. you can't make it up. You can't make it up. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. So, so I was, I went back to the, the court day. I know. And, and you get that, you get your child taken away from you. And oh my gosh, it's, it's so heartbreaking. You're and, and then you come full circle to this conversation from Tara. And again, Sarah, I just want to thank you for coming on because your story has woven in and out and back and forth in custody and no custody and in the horrible new wife coming back to apologize to you. And I have a feeling he's probably still trying to pull tip little tricks today. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, always. And I, you know, the reason I point that out is not to discourage people that it's never, ever, ever, ever o- over with. However, 
something I mentioned to you before we we came on to record was I have become extremely passionate and I'm trying to study and learn every day about how we can control how much they get to us and how we can control the level of our reaction and our reaction times basically is what it boils down to. Um, because we need to protect ourselves, our nervous systems, our bodies, our minds. It's, yeah. I'm convinced that, you know, if it goes on too long, what, whatever your situation is, if, if you're having a hard time crawling out of the hole from the abuse, whether during, you know, after it's, it's so hard on our bodies and it's making us sick yeah. and I've witnessed it and it's not okay. No. And so it, I know it's something that I'm passionate about and, and because we can't control them and we've had children with them, or even if you haven't, and you were just married, you're on their radar screen for someone, for some reason that they need to target for the rest of their life and try to make feel miserable. And so we've talked about being successful, going on with your life, finding love, uh, going after your passion, whatever it is. And, and that holds a lot of power. And then you know, I'm just, I'm getting into a lot of meditating. Uh, I'm studying neuroplasticity and how we rewire our brains because of the trauma that we've gone through. And we've created these negative pathways because it's another reason I want to thank you for coming on. We literally, unfortunately, wire our brains for these negative pathways because you're forced to focus on these incidences and the things that have happened and are happening all the time. And yeah. so it, we have to live in crazy town. We have to live in negative town and it doesn't ever give our body or minds that break that we need or the opportunity to heal and move on. And so we've got to really focus on it and make yeah. it a priority because that's where we're going to win. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it, it's work and it's work I, I need to continue to do and, 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 I, and because like you said, it, it doesn't go away. Even if you've reinvented yourself, there is still, he still has that ability to come in and just chip away a little bit if, if he wants to, and if you let him and, and I am guilty of it because it still bothers me. And I, and I hate to say this, but I almost live in this space of like, Ooh, things are kind of going really good. Like what's around the corner? Like, is something bad going to happen? And I even told you the example before we started was, you know, I was really excited about coming on and, you know, hopefully inspiring this story because it has been such a marathon and ultimately like it's been really good. But then just yesterday, my daughter tells me a story of something, you know, that he says to, to hurt me and I, and it hurt, it hurt and, and it was awful. And I hate that that's still, I still give him that space of allowing him to hurt me. So it, it's work that I think is worth doing because you're right it can eat away at you and probably make you very sick. We're there's a lot of us out there working on it and I love any comments, tips, tricks that anybody else wants to, you know, to pass along. I'm I'm on, you know, Instagram um at out of crazy town and I post this on YouTube as well the video versions and so there's plenty of areas, you know, to comment but it, we have to all come together and collectively, um, you know, put our knowledge and our experiences together and help each other. And, you know, because that's, that's the way out of this. Well, that's why it's so awesome that you're doing what you're doing and giving people a voice and, and a reminder of like, you can be strong and we can do this. And it is a collective thing, right? We, we, we have, you can draw from the power of all these other women that have gone through this. Absolutely. Oh, so again, thank you one more time, just to be extra redundant. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's so important for, I actually, I told another client that I was having someone on that was going to share 
your story. She said, wait, what, what day is it going to come out? What minute, what second? Because she's years in, but you know, you just can never get enough validation in like, you're not crazy and somebody else has been through it and it's going to be okay. So thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jackie. All right. Take care. And um, hopefully we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Okay. Bye-bye.